The 1970s was the most eventful, exciting decade of my time in football. And not all the newsmakers were players and coaches. Ron Joseph was the most adventurous club official of the day, driving the emergence of North Melbourne from perennial battler to a powerhouse. He was most recently seen delivering a brilliant eulogy at Lou Richard's state funeral. Welcome, Ron. Michael, pleasure to be here. They were interesting times, the 70s, weren't they? They were great times. And uh, look back with enormous satisfaction. I bet you do. You've gone to a club that most of us always expected to be down in the lower reaches of the ladder. You've secured Ron Brassi as coach in 1973. The club plays five grand finals in a row and your players win three Brownlow medals. How much credit do you take from that? Uh, oh, well, I mean, Brassi was an enormous influence. You've got to remember that I went there in 64. From school? From school. So, uh, you know, I had, had a ten-year run-up to watching Graham Richmond and Ian Drake and all those mm. blokes and wondering whether I could ever get a side to be as successful as Richmond and St Kilda would be. You know, a lot of people, when they talk, think about North, talk about the 10-year-old and Wade mm. Davis and Rantel and Cable and Blight and the interstate players and everything else. But, you know, people overlook the fact that in 1969 along came Dench. Uh, in 1970 along came Greg. In 1973 along came Schimmelbush. Mm. Dench from Pasco Vale. Greg and Schimmelbush from Brunswick. From Brunswick, yeah. Uh, within five, the three of them within five kilometres of your ground, metropolitan players, played a thousand games together. Mm. Now, mm. the old North might have got John Brady in 1960 and Alan Aylett in 1970 and somebody else in 1980, you know. Ron, that 1975 Premiership team had 20 players in it, 20 in those days. You assembled 19 of them in various ways, from zones via brown paper bags and interstate. Uh, you must take a lot of pride in that. Not so much pride. It, it, was, um, it was hard work and, you know, there was very little comedy in it and, uh, you know, especially when you had people like Aylett and Barassi around the place mm. and driving the place and, you know, wanting to be successful. So there was a lot of pressure. The coup had to be the recruitment of Ron Barassi's coach in 1973. I mean, there were lots of powerful forces at that time, but Barassi was the one, wasn't he? No question about that. And Barassi had, uh, in 1972, gone into the media after coaching Carlton, and I don't think he liked the media. I don't know whether he was all that good at it anyway. And so he'd watched Nichols take Carlton to a premiership, and uh, so he was right for the picking from North Melbourne's point of view. And what greater challenge for him than, you know, after his fantastic career as a player at Melbourne, coaching at, at Carlton to come to North and lift this perennial loser to its first flag. Do you remember the initial overture? No. I, the thing that I remember is Albert, Albert saying, Mantello. you know, look, I reckon we can get Barassi. I really think we can get Barassi. And, and Keith McKenzie had a furniture store under mm -hmm. Albert's office in North Melbourne then. Barass was in office furniture. So there was a, you know, there was a contact between all those blokes and Albert was seeing enough of him to know that, you know, he was starting to get itchy feet. And uh, so Albert was the one that recognised it and we pounced. Do you remember the deal, Ron? Yeah, the deal was that uh, we finished up at the Old Melbourne Motor Inn and uh, we had breakfast 
And I think Albert still boasts that he's got the uh, serviette. <laughs> uh, but I think it, it, it involved uh, a loan of about 50 grand. Uh, and, you know, the normal sort of contract, it might have been above the odds at the time, but uh, no regrets. So the serviette was the contract, was it? The serviette was the... We just laid out all the dot points that we'd agreed to that morning and really you knew when you walked out of the breakfast that the deal was done and that was Alan Aylett, Albert and myself. Mm. Now, 1974, you reach a grand final but you're smashed by Richmond. Ron wouldn't have liked that and he, there were casualties as a result of that, one of whom was Dennis Pagan. It was uh, a terrible few months after that 74 loss and we were destroyed by Richmond and there's no question that it set up the 75 premiership and there's no question the way Barassi handled it with the players that uh, you know it went from fury in 70, September 74 to rebuilding their confidence for 75. Did he have a few others on the chopping block right? Yeah he did there was a you know there's been a lot written and said since that era, uh, but the thing that never gets talked about is the meeting that we had at Arden Street on the Monday night after the grand final, and it was the whole match committee, and uh, they were going to sack everyone. They were going to sack... They or Ron? The, the match committee, were, well, it was Barras jutting out his jaw, mm -hmm. but, you know, there was always... They were all nodding their head and agreeing and... Uh, I know that at one stage Shimmer was gone and Wade, had, <laughs> Wade was gone and, and I'm, I, I got up and walked out. I just said, look, none of you know what you're talking about. You know, there was still steam coming out of their ears from Saturday, Saturday night's grand final loss and I just took I always remember Rash chasing me out in the street and he said, well, how are we going to get 1975 if that's your attitude, you know? So he seriously contemplated... Dumping Schimmelbush and Wade. Oh, it was, it was more than that. There was oh. about seven... I've worked it out, and I've got to be careful, but I reckon there was at least seven blokes that played in our 1975 Premiership side that on Monday night after the 74 grand final were at the we're door. Gone. Yeah, gee. Now, Ronnie, that seat's occupied a lot of famous names in football over recent years. A couple of them, John Rantel and Doug Wade, both talked about brown paper bags that you deposited in front of them containing lots of money. Wadey, I think, suggested there was 30 grand in his bag. Johnny Rantel said there was 10. Are they right? Wadey's... Uh, well, they're right in terms of the paper bag and they're right in <laughs> terms of the money. Uh, but Wadey's figure's gone up... Uh, uh, over the, over the years. Now, Wadey got 10 and John Rantel got 10. Barry Davis? And Barry Davis, uh, yeah, I think the, the whole three of them, the three of them were treated equally. But they also got the contracts on top of yep. that. And I think Wadey gets a bit confused with the, the 10 grand in the, ca in the paper bag and the contract that uh, was attached to the paper bag as well. So was it a deliberate ploy to walk into their living room or their kitchen and tip all this money in cash on the table? Uh, yeah, it... it um, in Barry Davis's case, I'd been talking to Barry and, I, you know, Barry and Annette were not the sort of people to be impressed by <laughs> 10 grand mm. in the paper bag. And I'd said to Albert and Alan, look, you know, when we're going out, when I, we're going out to their home, uh, I, we're not, not going to take any cash. Uh, 
you know, it's just stopped Barry Davis's way. And I'll bring it along anyway, and we'll, just in case. And, and I always recall that, you know, they, they started to give me the eye about halfway through the night to produce the cash. And I knew it wasn't the right thing to do, but uh, I eventually pulled out the money and I said, well, look, Barry, this is a, uh, just an indication of our seriousness, our endeavour. We really do want you. Barry said, oh, yes, but I've got to go and talk to Essendon first and do it the right way. He was captain, wasn't he? He was captain, mm. yeah, yeah. And he made an enormous contribution to North Oaks three years. Now, let's explain, Ronnie, to those who weren't around at the time. You were able to secure these blokes because they'd played 10 years of football and there was a temporary 10-year rule that said if you'd given that service, you could go to the club of your choice. That's right. Mm -hmm. And once again, Albert Mantello, who was an AFL... Well, he was the club director in those days, and he could see that the VFL were under pressure with the uh, rules, the restraint of trade, restraint rules. Of trade yeah. rules, and uh, so, and he could see that Eric McCutcheon and the BFL board were serious about uh, easing them, and he kept on saying it's going to happen, they're going to bring in a 10-year rule, and, uh, and we were ready to pounce. It was a forerunner to what we've got now. The free agency. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie, what isn't known as well as uh, the, the blokes you did secure under the tenure was the one that you nearly got, Carl Dittrich from St Kilda. Oh, yes, we went in just as hard for Carl as anyone else because, I mean, he was a dynamic ruckman. He'd throw his body around. He was... We needed him as much as we needed a Wade Davis or Rantel. And we went in really hard there. But Melbourne always just had their nose in front and... Uh, uh, we missed him. Mm. So two premierships, 75-77. The 75 one was huge, wasn't it? First premiership for the, for the footy club. Probably a dream that most of your supporters thought they'd never see. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what gets talked about today. Uh, that if you go to a North Melbourne function, it was interesting, they had a Hall of Fame night a couple of years ago. And the 70s blokes just all hone in on the... Uh, you know, the delight that, that it had given the North Melbourne mm. supporters where the 90s blokes and the premierships and the very successful era that they all shared uh, had a different view of their success than the 70s blokes. Two massive coups from interstate. Barry Cable, who had been at North in 1970 and then went home. You lured him back and Malcolm Blight from South Australia. Yeah, well, Was that money again? No. Nah. Cabes, uh, Cabes wanted to succeed in Melbourne and, and uh, prove himself in VFL football. He probably did that in the 1970 year that he had there. He finished fourth in the Brownlow medal. Mm. But as soon as he knew that Barassi was coming and that North were on the move and he could sense it, he couldn't get back to North quick enough. And in Blighty's case, I mean, uh, Blighty took a bit of hard work because he had a great lifestyle in Adelaide and it, as a young bloke then, he wasn't sure where he was going to take his career or how important it was other than he loved football. And, uh, but once he made the commitment and came to North, he blossomed into the legend that he's become. What got him over the line, Ron? Uh, I took him up to the Sky High restaurant in Dandenong. I asked Mrs Flynn if she'd loan me $2,000 from Mrs. the Flynn Kensington was. pub. Yeah. She ran the Kensington pub. She was a great person, great North Melbourne supporter. I went around there on the Sunday morning and said, could you 
32 grand. Mrs. Flynn, I want to take a player out for dinner. And, good uh, dinner. I got great lunch. <laughs> I took Blighty and Patsy up to the sky high and uh, Blighty was always way ahead of me in the negotiating stakes. He run me three times around the MCG and he signed for five grand. So, Did he? Yeah. So you were ready to give him two? Yeah, I was ready to give him and two, he but he, wa he got five, yeah. And he did that all, all the time he was north. He always got more than I was thinking I'd have to pay for him. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, where did all the money come from? Well, we were... What, what had happened was... Uh, I mean, Barry Cheatley came along, so our fundraising uh, became successful. You know, we were kicking goals there uh, more than any other club and we were working hard. And also, uh, we had a guy called Robert Smith who'd played mm. for North and he uh, ran the social club. That, that and, was flying then, wasn't ah, it? Ah, they, they were lined up in Arden Street mm. to get in there every Thursday night. And, of course, that was all cash. I mean, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say these things. <laughs> and now, 40 years later, but it was You've all cash. You've got immunity, mate. I'll that's give where you immunity. It, that's where all the paper bags came from. And um, uh, it, so, you know, it was all of those things came together. I want to take you to 1975. I'm fascinated by that, not just because North won the Premiership. It was virtually your team in terms of the personnel on the ground. But you weren't there on grand final day. Had you had a falling out with Alan Ayla during the year? No. No, I, I, you know, I mean, look, I, what, what happened in 1975 from my point of view is the worst cause I ever made in my life. Um, but I, I've often thought about it. I mean, the, the 74 grand final loss genuinely shattered me. And then, you know, you go to a meeting on the Monday and you hear these blokes wanting to sack Shimbush and Wade and, you know, I started to shake my head and... And, and that got worse. I mean, I knew that I, I, the last bloke I think I had to put to bed was Graham Melrose. And I got Melly and Pam organised and, uh, and, and I left. I just, and, and it was a flow on from the 19th. And, and, yeah, there was, you know, Alan and I had had words. And, uh, but it was also Alan that dragged me back as quick as I'd left the place, you know. So. Now, tell me this... Fact or fiction, did you not accept the position of GM at Collingwood at that time? Yeah, I was, Murray Wiedemann was the coach. Uh, Ern Clark was the president. Uh, I accepted the job as, C, as CEO at 7 o'clock on the whatever night it was. And uh, in the morning I resigned at 6 o'clock. <laughs> So you were in Collingwood we're, we're for 11 hours. We were my proudest days, 1975, <laughs> when North won its first flag. Were you at North in 77, the second flag? Yes. Yeah. But I look, Michael, I never... People sort of talk to you about premierships and flags, but my experience with premierships was that for all the celebration and all the hype and all the bullshit that, you know, there was still a plane to catch to go and chase the next bloke because... You know, other clubs were chasing you down to be successful the following year. So it was, it was just hard work. And the other thing was that, you know, the, there was always a player lying in hospital with his leg up and mm. he's just had a knee operation and while they're all out celebrating and he would have been in the team, well, he's Sam lying in hospital. Sam well, Kegger is a case in point, isn't he? Kegger, Graham Melrose, yeah. you know, there, there was one every year. How good a player would Kekovic have been under Barassi? Well, 
Kekka played under yeah, but, but, yeah, but if, and, well, Kekka, Kekka, Kekka came along in six, and North weren't ready for Kekka. You know, I mean, if I, uh, you know, I'm the chief executive. I'm the one responsible. I'll look back now and think, God, you know, I wonder what Sam would have achieved. Mm. I mean, he's done really well. It's just great to see him today. Um, but you wonder what he would have achieved as a player if North had been more mature when he hit Arden Street in 1966 as a 15, 16-year-old. Mm. So you bracket Kekovic with blood? Oh, great. Bracket kicker with any of those blokes. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was an absolute champion. Ronnie, I think it's fair to say you're no stranger. You and Confrontation are on pretty good terms with each other. I want to remind you of a radio interview you did in June 2012 when you said of the then club president, James Brayshaw, quote, he doesn't want to go beyond standing behind the microphone and making speeches. And then you went on to say you thought that a great football club was about to implode. I remember thinking that was a very harsh call on a bloke who I thought had committed to the footy club and given his best. Well, I think that you're right, and probably I, there would have been a bit of anger uh, with me. I, where James disappointed me, and he still does, is that I just don't think that he embraced the whole North. And I think that North's culture was weakened by it. In fact, I still think that it's got a lot of recovering to do. And where James came into the presidency and talked of excellence and everything being done properly, and I guess I'm sitting there looking back to the way things were done and how well things were done under Aylett and Cheatley in the 70s, it never happened. And so that disappointed me. But would the North people have had a club in Melbourne without Brayshaw? No. Uh, no. James Brayshaw uh, came into... started supporting North, not going to the Gold Coast, uh, six months into the fight. Uh, six months after the fight to uh, go to the Gold Coast. I mean, he was... When James Brayshaw came onto the board at North, he and his brother were supportive of North going to the Gold Coast. Six months down the track, they changed their tune. James became the president and the club didn't go to the Gold Coast, thank God. But wouldn't you have welcomed that? I mean, here you've got two people of influence who are prepared to say this is the direction we think it should go and then change their mind and keep the footy club in Melbourne. Uh, no, I, I, well, I didn't see it that way. I, I thought when I went on the board, uh, which was a hell of a commitment that I made in terms of probably doing the, uh, doing the right thing by myself, but I, I could just see that, you know, North were headed to the Gold Coast and that somebody had to stop them. And I thought that as soon as that ticket... Uh, won the day at the North Melbourne elections that I would be supported by James Brayshaw and all of those people, but it, that wasn't the case. I had a fight on my hands for the next six months to uh, about North not going to the Gold Coast. And eventually they came around, but they came around for reasons that, to me, weren't for the club, but were for other reasons. You are headstrong, though, aren't you? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, my, as Glenn Archer would say, my way or the highway. Correct. Yeah. And when people cross you, yeah. well, you... I get dirty yes. and nasty and Yeah, no, I thought, and... I, I must say, I, I, without labouring this point, I thought you were personal and nasty towards Brayshaw. Yeah, yeah. Well, perhaps I've mellowed a bit and we all mellowed, perhaps mm. mellowed. And... Now, the other, there's another, another, this is an awkward one because I know you were inseparable with Keith Gregg for a long time. You fell out with Keith, didn't you? Well, I don't know whether I fell out with Keith or whether we fell out, but, you know, our friendship just weakened and it suddenly, you know, the times that we shared just weren't there anymore. And Are you sad about that? Oh, bloody earth, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Have you done anything to redeem it? No, no, probably, you know, stubborn, you know, just... And Keith's stubborn too. Yeah, I know, but you, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, obviously, but he's a lovely bloke, Keith, oh, and, and you went bloke. through some years, some memories. You've got memories that you couldn't buy. Yeah. Delightful, no, delightful bloke. And where Keith and I became close was that I always thought that Barras would scare the hell out yeah. of him and that, you know, he was this kid that needed to sort of be protected a bit when he first mm. came from Brunswick. But on the contrary, I mean, you know, things are, were quite the reverse. He just had this determination, this resolve, and once he was at North, that was it, you know. How did you feel when Ron said to Keith, without football, you'd be nothing but a shit plumber? You know, I, I sort of, in all those things, I think that that was probably a mistake that I made later on with the crackers, that, uh, you know, to me, you, you just brush those things on and off and get on with the job. And but Keith was offended, wasn't he? Keith was more offended than initially it appeared. And that offence probably became a bit deeper as time ticked around after, afterwards. But, um, yeah, so, and it's always, you know, I think that, Barras was tough on Keith, but he was tough on Malcolm Blight. He was mm. tough on anyone that had sheer talent and brilliance. I know his view about that was. His view was that talent was a quirk of conception. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, he, he was tough. But I, I also think that as times rolled on and two premierships and 300 games mm. later in Greggy's place, you know, Barras had an enormous input into his career as well. Yeah, good, and know. I'm pleased for that. Ron, fact or fiction? You draw the grand final in 1977 and there's a replay with Collingwood. Did you talk Ron Barassi out of his plan to drop Malcolm Blight for the replay? No, I didn't, but on the Sunday morning after the grand final, after the grand final, the draw, Barass stormed into my office and just uh, there was just the two of us and he said, I'm going to drop Blight. And he said... Uh, the jaw was jutted out and he said, and you shut your mouth and don't tell anyone. And uh, so off he stormed and I thought, oh, God, you know, what are we going to do here? So Max Ritchie was the chairman of selectors. Lloyd Hollyoak was the president. And I rang Lloyd and I said, look, we've got a problem. I said, Barras wants to drop Blighty. So that, that was basically it. But obviously Lloyd's got on the phone and uh, to whoever. And then on the Monday night... Barras stormed into my office and he said, that's right, I come and tell you something in confidence, I'll never trust you again. <laughs> what do I tell you something and what do you do? You go and tell your mates. And, but anyway, Blighty was back in the side and he was a great player in the replay. Do you think Ron meant that? 
Or do you think that was that initial anger of, that of some things applied he might not have done in the... In We'd the been final. through a similar thing with Wadey in 75 and he was out of the grand final side. But, you know, Barras did change his tune. So, no, Bar Barras could have that anger, but he would also listen to people around him. In all the things that you've done in football, Ron, where does the recruitment of Tony Lockett to Sydney sit? Oh, it's, you know, it was really important for Sydney. Um, I'd seen him kick 13 goals against uh, the Sydney, playing for St Kilda. It was the day he ran through Peter Caven. Uh, and you could just tell that if you could get him there, that um, it was the first thing to do. And for, you know, for 10 months there, I, I really only had the support of a bloke called Greg Harris. And then uh, slowly but surely, everyone started to come on board. And, uh, oh, he was just an enormous get for Sydney. Did, he, sa did he save, A, the Swans and B, football in Sydney? I don't know whether he saved the Swans. I mean, he had an enormous impact because it coincided with Barassi being there and people starting to believe in Sydney for the first time. What was the Lockett deal, Ron? Do you remember? Um... <sighs> I can't remember what it was. It was a bloody good deal, of course. And I was driving back down Dandenong Road and I had, didn't have his signature. The forms had to be in at the AFL, the VFL, by 12 o'clock. I was going past the Springvale crematorium and Laurie Dwyer and uh, Rob Snowden said, look, why don't you just turn around and have one more crack? So we've done a U-turn in the middle of Dandenong Road, <laughs> back to Cranbourne, and I offered him another 150,000 if he kicked... Uh, no, the 100,000 if he kicked 150 goals or something like that over the next three years. So a bonus of 100. Yeah, days. and yeah. so with a plug, I just took the pen wow. and signed it and that was, the deal was done. Well, he's a working journo in the 70s. I must say, looking back now, we're all indebted to you for your sense of adventure and initiative. You gave us lots of stories during that time. Your contribution at North has declared in North's official publications that no-one made a bigger contribution to the rise of this football club. I agree with that. It's been great to catch up. Thank you, Michael. Very nice. This has been a production of Fox Sports.